<laughs> okay, we'll see. I'll see what they want to do. So, I figured that today, <laughs> I'd like to answer as much questions as possible. Uh, that's one thing about uh, Judaism in general, and especially about Passover is, you know, we're not afraid to ask questions, and we actually, questions are encouraged. Uh, you know, Remembering Exodus of Egypt is something that we're obligated to do every day and we do it twice a day. So what's so special about the night of Passover? Because it's a more elaborate, it comes as a response to the children's inquisitions, they're asking inquiries, I mean the children are asking, they want to know uh, why, and we explain to them. So it's a more focused and a more settled, rather every day we just mention it quickly, real, in passing, we do it quickly, but when it comes on Passover we really focus on it and we stop and we contemplate, we reflect on the on the miracles and the exodus of Egypt because this is actually commemorates the exact time when we actually left Egypt. It's interesting, we say that every generation and every day a person needs to see as if he left Egypt. So that's really every day. That's why we mention Exodus of Egypt every day. Now why do we say Exodus of Egypt every day? Um, because in a way, Egypt represents limitation, boundaries. Um, there is physical limitation, there is physical boundaries, there is the uh, restrictions that others put over us. But then, yet there are sometimes our own uh, limitations that we put on ourselves. Uh, there are limitations and boundaries that come just day-to-day challenges and many times we don't realize how we can free ourselves and go out of Egypt and leave our own boundaries that we're capable of doing a lot more than we really seem that we are bound to by our natural, by our disposition, by our character or by our circumstances we can really go out of Egypt. That's why we're going out every day out of Egypt. We're going out every day of our limitation. We're going every day about it. That's why we mention it every day. But specifically, we focus on it on a more grander scale on Passover. Okay, so that's Passover. Now, on Passover, we do we say we do it on Passover night, right? On Passover night, we do what we call the seder. What does the seder mean? The seder is the order. Seder means the order. It's an order. Why is it an order? Because there's a lot of things going on over there. So there's an order of things the way we're supposed to be doing that. So I want to go through tonight a little bit about the Seder, you know, about the different things we do, and to also make sense how everything is really part, it seems like part of one thing. It seems a little bit more complicated because there's just so many details. You know, like they say that, you know, in the forest, you know, you the 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 you can't see the forest because of the trees. There's so many details in the making that we sometimes don't see the whole picture. But when you try to learn and you go through the whole thing, you see it's not as scary as, as you know, there's a lot of details, but it's not as, as scary as it is. Now, in a lot of ways, the, fri- the, the, the night, the Seder, is similar to any other yont of night. Let's not forget, it's a holiday, right? A holiday. What do Jews do when we celebrate a holiday? We eat and we drink, have a good feast, right? And we, um, and we have a good l'chaim, and we have uh, something good to drink. And we schmooze, right? And, uh, you know, that's what we do. I mean, that's, and that's having a good time, getting the family together. But we do that in every yontif. 
right? But like I said, every yontav maybe till we get to the uh, to the to the fish and the soup, uh, it's just a couple of minutes, you know. Make the kiddush and you wash, and then you just you know dig right into the <laughs> into delicious food over here. Uh, you gotta wait a little bit, so <laughs> you gotta say some pieces over there. So you gotta. Some people like to stretch it out more than others, but uh, you know sometimes you gotta wait for a long time. But you know it is a mitzvah to elaborate, tell about the story of the Exodus of Egypt, but it's also a mitzvah to enjoy uh, the yantav. So I guess you know you gotta sort of balance the needs. One of the important things to remember is that the timing. You no know, timing is everything. You know timing is is everything. So uh, the timing of the seder very very important. Very important, the timing. You know, uh, matter of fact, it's unique for Passover. You know, not like other yontivs. Another yontivs, you know, technically or sending for Shabbos. Um, I know in our community itself, you know, most of the shuls actually they take in Shabbos early. So let's say that nightfall is let's say at eight thirty or eight o'clock is nightfall, right? Now, if people go to shul by 8 o'clock and they come home, by the time it goes 9 o'clock, who wants to go sit down for a real elaborate meal? The kids are tired, everybody's tired. So what the people do is, they start service at 7 o'clock. And they do Kabbalah Shabbat. And you look outside, it's still light out there, right? It's not yet, hey, wait a minute. They sit down to the meal, and they're going to make Kiddush, they're going to make the Kiddush, and it's still daytime. It's still Friday, it's not even Shabbos. What are you celebrating over here? Well, there is a concept which is called that we can add from the weekday and make it holy. It's called Moisim Mechayla We can, we have the ability to sort of drag the Shabbos in early, to add and say, no, it's Friday, we're going to make it into Shabbos. And the same thing is also at the end of the Shabbos, by the way, we have the ability to keep on to the Shabbos a little bit longer and not as soon as the stars are out, the Shabbos is over to keep another minute or two so we can actually, we are commanded actually to increase from the weekday over the holy days from the beginning and also to add at the end of the Shabbos to the end of the, uh, by end of the Shabbos so on a regular Yom Tif, on a regular holiday if it was, say, um, um, the second day's uh, Passover, not for the Seder night, like on the seventh day of Passover, if you want to make Kiddush, let's say nightfall at 7 o'clock, you want to make Kiddush at 7.30, and you want to accept the holiday a half an hour earlier, that's fine. So you're bringing in this, the Yontif, the holiday a little bit earlier. But not so on the Seder night and that's why we say timing is everything the Seder night you have to do the entire Seder all the mitzvahs all the command that we do the Seder you have to do it in the proper time which is a major inconvenience for people like today because we moved the clock and we have the daylight savings time so technically if you look like by today 7.30 is when it's nightfall, or right, about 7.30. Or maybe about 7.40 is nightfall. 
So it turns out, it turns out that you have to wait with the Seder until 7.40 so that you can have, okay, next week is probably going to be another 10 minutes. I haven't looked at the calendar exactly. But by next week, nightfall is going to be 7.50. So it's, it's a nice brat. Yes, no. Yeah, So, uh, I said that in the ocean it's been one of ours. <laughs> uh, means he speaks Russian for the Soviet Union. Um, so, anyways, that's the extent of my Russian. Feels <laughs> good. I got the accent a little bit. But after all, I I come from there. Huh? <laughs> so, anyways, um, the um, the idea is here: the timing is everything. So, while people are anxious and they look forward to make a seder, it's very difficult to uh, to tell them the seder has to be done at the right time. Because if you're not doing it at the right time, like I said, timing is everything. I mean, you're wasting your time. <laughs> Because the mitzvot, the mitzvot, the, the, the commandments that we're trying to fulfill, namely, so let's talk about the mitzvahs. What are we trying to do? We're trying to do, and it comes to mind, I'm just trying to calculate it, I haven't, four main mitzvahs we're trying to do, okay? We're trying to do the four cups, four cups of wine. Now, you can't just drink one, two, three, four, and say, I'm done. No, no, no. That's not four cups of wine. That's four cups of wine. But that only counts for one. (laughs) Four cups of wine need to be broken up by the schedule, the way the Haggadah is put up. One, two, three, four, with the sections in between. So if one should drink, like I said, four cups, that's one cup. Go ahead. And like that, you're going to have to take the break and then drink another four, another one, and then another one. So you have to drink in order. So the one thing is the four cups. Number two, we want to expound on the exodus of Egypt. The story of our exit of Egypt, as I said before, not just to mention it, but to respond to the child, to speak about it, to elaborate. That's mainly the Haggadah. The Haggadah really talks about 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 what took place. Now we all know that even when we just remember something very briefly, we don't experience it. In order for us to be able to experience it, we have to dwell on it more. We have to talk about it. We have to relate. We have to get into it. It's also a chance to give the children, the adults, to give over. Everybody has some type of insight or some Torah, something that they know about the Agada, to, for the kids to show off how good they know the Manashtana, for the adults to show off, you know, how good um, questions, how they can stump the rabbis at the table. You know, everybody is uh, sort of trying to um, get involved in it. So that's the relating of the story of, of Egypt. And then, of course, we have the mitzvah of matzah, which... By the way, these two mitzvahs relating the story of Exodus in Egypt and eating the matzah are the two biblical commands that we perform on this night in nowadays. 
Now, the reason I say nowadays, because in the time of the temple, there was also the Paschal sacrifice, there was the Korban Pesach that was eaten on this night, that was another obligation from the Torah. Although today, uh, today we can't do it. You know, I read in the news, there's a group that is trying to get onto the Temple Mount to try to uh, uh, bring a sacrifice, a uh, Korban Pesach, a Paschal sacrifice. And the police is saying that it's going to incite the uh, the Arab, the Muslims, or anything else. But that's the, besides the point. <laughs> so, but there is a there is there is some view that believes that you could bring the Paschal sacrifice even without the temple being built. Really? Yeah. So there is. I mean, that's uh, that's a uh, there is a view like that. That doesn't mean. But they say they need the temple. They mean they need to be at the place. Yeah. Mount. Yeah. It has to be at the Temple Mount. That place. That place, but you don't need the structure. You can't go up there. You can't go up there, but some people, you know, because you're not pure, and then you're gonna make for there's, there's various. Uh, I mean, we're not gonna get involved how to do it, but there is, there is, there is that kind of. Uh, well, you know, I, I actually just read in the news that the they they, they voided, they're not giving them the permit. You know, they're trying to get a permit to do that, but they're not giving their permit. But in any event. Um, so there was another mitzvah of eating the Paschal sacrifice. But together with that, so in the meantime I'm up to three. I talked about the four cups of wine. I talked about relating the exodus of Egypt, the story of Egypt, which is also origin from biblical origin. The extent of it, you know, how long and how much, the expounding of it maybe from the rabbis, but the basic... Uh, Obligation to relate the story of Egypt and to tell your children and the four sons, that's directly from the Torah, that's directly from the Bible. And then we have the matzah, which nowadays is still uh, from the Torah, number three. And I also spoke about for a minute about that in the time of the temple there was another item which was the Paschal sacrifice. And then yet there is a fourth mitzvah, and that is the mitzvah of consuming the maror, the bitter herbs. Now, nowadays, the bitter herbs are only obligatory from the rabbis as a commemorative act to the time of the temple. Because the maror originally, the Torah's intent with the maror, with the bitter herbs, was as a byproduct, it was together with this paschal sacrifice. You brought it together. You brought the carbon Pesach. It says, It was meant to eat them together. If we don't have a Pesach sacrifice, if we don't have a carbon Pesach, then we don't have a Torah commandment to eat the Maror. So today, so why do we eat the Maror? We eat it as a commemorative. That is from the rabbis have instituted to remember what they did at the time of the temple and at that time they used to have moror so we also have today moror but it's all based on rabbinic and it's based on the rabbis commanding us to do so now here we come now the rabbis always you know they have different views and we try to commemorate and do you know, when we can, we try to do all views. We try to cover all grounds. When possible, we try to cover all grounds. The question becomes, 
to fulfill the maror, uh, do we... So, let me just back up for one second. In the time of the temple, how did it work? Now, mind you, there is one opinion that says, and people would love it today, but it's, but in the time, there's one opinion that uh, I saw the Rebbe brings down in his Agada, there's one opinion that says, even though it's not the common accepted view, that in the time of the temple, you know what they would do? They first, before they started the Seder, they had a regular full meal. And they enjoyed, like it would be the regular holiday meal. After they finished the meal, then they went to the uh, rest the Seder. Then they made that, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. You know, can you imagine if we started off with Shulchan Aruch? We started off with Shulchan Aruch with the prepared table. You know, I will tell you the story that there was this fellow, non-Jewish fellow, who heard a lot about the Seder. And remember my story? No, uh, it was a non-Jewish fellow. He heard about the Seder. And you know, Jews make such a big to do, and his Jewish friend told him, "Ah, you should only see the delicacies, the food, and the 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 the, 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 the great cooks that they make their best on Pesach. You know, Passover—that's the best foods, and they give so much to eat in the Jewish home." So he um, he said to his friend, "How do I get to experience that?" Okay, so he tells him, "You know, why don't you pretend that you're Jewish, and you go to the temple?" And you know, Jews are Jews are hospitable. Somebody will see you at the in the temple after prayers, after services. He'll invite you over, and then you'll have a seder experience. So he did so, and uh, sure enough, somebody invites him home. And his friend told him one thing: you should know they give lots and lots of food. So make sure not to eat anything all day because you're going to need all the room <laughs> that you have available to you know, put in all the delicious food. So he did so, and then it comes at night, he's starving. And he's starving, and then, you know, the Seder starts. So the first thing, they give everybody a cup of wine. Of course, you know, everybody has to have the wine. You know, Kiddush, you know, usually only the head of the household makes a lot of times. And in here, you know, everybody takes a cup of wine. And then, after the cup of wine, then they have the dipping of the of the vegetable, you know, maybe an onion, maybe a potato. And finally, finished with that, there's another cup of wine. But then, you know, the kids were asking the questions. And he's patientless. He smells in the kitchen. The food smells good. But they're not bringing any food to the table. So he's, he's, he can't wait. And he can't wait. And he has to wait through for the kids to say and the, ask the questions and, and the people to expound on the Haggadah. And meantime, he's sort of dying over there. So finally, okay, the second cup, finally they wash. He says, now, now, first they give him matzah, and after the matzah they give him the bitter herbs, <laughs> and then again matzah and bitter herbs, and this time he already couldn't last it. He gets up from his seat, he goes out and slams the door. He sees his friend, he says, what's, what's with these Jews? He says, I've been sitting there for an hour and a half, and all they served me is wine and wine and bitter herbs, and matzah, no food, what's going on? Ah, uh, he says, you fool, he says, you just left. You know, you had all the bitter herbs and you slammed the door just about the time when they were going to give you a beautiful, royal, gourmet meal. And you went and you closed the door the last time. And this is sort of a metaphor for us in our Jewish history. Because in a way, you know, we've gone through a lot. And a lot of people feel almost, you know, 
I don't want to associate with this history, with this people who have bitter herbs today and bitter yesterday. Throughout our history, we've been constantly pursued, we're constantly, and what do we need more? You know, today, we are also, we have all the enemies wanting, you know, by all kinds of excuses, this is Israel, this is... This is Muslims, this is this, it's, it's all excuses, it's underlying, is the old-fashioned anti-Semitism, it's, that is in the core of it. You know, if anybody wanted to make peace with Israel, <laughs> they really wanted, and they would, I mean, they, they had many, many have opportunities. There's a underlying, and that's the unfortunate history that we've had. So we've had a lot of martyr. So a lot of people say, I don't want to deal with this. I'd rather live like a goy. <laughs> I don't want to associate with them anymore. Let me live in peace and let me not. But we're saying that the Shulchan Aruch is about to come. Don't slam the door before the good. The good, you know, Mashiach is at the footsteps. He's at the door. He's at. He's almost there. You just got to hold on a little bit more. And don't slam. Don't be foolish like that person to leave it all because if you have experience and you did all the suffering and you were part of this beautiful heritage don't leave it now don't let it go now because the good is coming and we hope we say Lashon Abba Yerushalayim so these are the uh, these are the uh, different these are the different herbs that we use these are the different things okay yeah, I know it's to go okay so now I want to talk a little bit about in the time of the temple, the way they would do it is in the time of the temple, the way they would do it is the, yeah uh, well, it's going to be over in about, uh, I'm going to make it a little bit shorter today because I got it on Marev so probably another another 15 minutes alright, okay, sorry she forgot about the class she wants to come down, sorry Okay, so it says like this: in the time of the temple, it was. I just I just sidetracked and told you that, according to one opinion, they would have the whole meal and then they would go ahead and make the seder. But we make the seder and then we have the the, the meal afterwards. But in the time of the temple, what they would do is in the seder was what they would do is they would take the pesach, the korban pesach, and the paschal sacrifice, the meat. They would roast the meat, only roasted meat. And they would take the matzah. And they would take the murder, Right? And they would eat it together. Right? And that is, is matzah Matter of fact, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, the way Hillel, one of the sages, Hillel Zokin, one of the sages, Hillel, he would actually wrap, make a sandwich, of the matzah, the maror, the bitter herbs, and a piece of steak from the uh, from the uh, lamb steak, from the kevin, the sheep uh, steak, and wrap them together. He would lean and have his sandwich on the night of Passover. Doesn't sound like a bad sandwich, not at all. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, that's depending on the on the different views over there. That's one view I mentioned. But it's interesting. That was done at the end of the meal. Whatever it is, it was always done 
at the end of the meal, like we have the Afikoman, because the Pesach, this Pesach sacrifice has to be eaten once you are satisfied. Not grossly, but you have to be fully full, just enough place to eat that Afikoman, to eat that Pesach. The Korban Pesach is a Nechal Allah It's eaten when you're satisfied, but not to be an overeating. So there's like a, a very specific uh, level in which you have to be in order to eat that Korban Pesach. But what you would do is, the food consisted of three main things. And with those, at that time it was biblical command. It was the Pesach, and the Matzah, and the Murr. So therefore, as we said, those three things were from the Torah. You can eat them all together. And according to Hillel, you ate them all together. You ate all these three pieces together. The Pesach, and the Matzah, and the Murr. You ate them as a sandwich. Now, what happens in nowadays, when we don't have no longer the temple, and we don't do the sacrifice of the Korban Pesach. So now, automatically, we lose the Mora too. So the Pesach is gone, but with the Pesach, also the Mora is gone from the Torah. So now, as I said, the obligation of the Mora is only to commemorate the rabbis instituted, even though there is no Torah obligation to eat more on the night of Pesach, because we don't have a, a we don't have a carbon Pesach, we don't have a, a Pesach sacrifice. But still, the sages instituted that we should still eat more to commemorate what we used to do. So, therefore, I'm going to explain to you something now. We come across here a problem. What's the problem? How do we eat today? Can we just eat the matzah and the murr together? What do we do in the Seder? We have some matzah, then we have murr, followed by murr, then we have matzah and murr together. The charosis, okay, the charosis is two things. The charosis, charosis serves two purposes. One purpose the charosis serves on, in the olden days, there was, you know, from all names, there was a worm that was called a kappa. You know, like the kappas? <laughs> there was a worm called, I don't know if it's pronounced exactly kappa, but it's spelled kuf pei aleph. There was a worm that was found in the, in the murr, in the bitter herbs. And what happens is, when they would dip it in the charosis, that charosis would sort of extract that worm out of the uh, murr. That was in the old days. But, nowadays, we use the charosis for another purpose. Because now we use the charosis to resemble the mortar that the Jews worked with. Because the, bir- the bitter herbs together... Listen, choose whatever reason my first that said, you know. Choose the... No? Okay. You know, and there's a difference. You know what the difference is? In the olden days, they would immerse the entire mortar in the charosis, not just dip it into the charosis. They'd have to immerse it because they needed. They needed. That was the uh, that was the olden day. But today, we only dip it because you don't have to. Or some people sprinkle it on the. But you don't have to immerse the whole thing. But they used to immerse the whole thing into the into the charosis. So what happens is. That the um, so what do we do? So we, that that's about the charosis. So today we we add the murr, we add a little bit of the charosis. Matter of fact, some people have the tradition, including the Chabad tradition, is to actually shake off 
part of the harosis because you don't want to lose the bitterness of the maror. You want to keep the uh, uh, strength. You want to feel the bite a little bit. You want to feel the uh, hard, you know, to experience a little bit of the maror, you know. So, you know, you don't you don't keep all the maror on there. So it's only like a, a dipping, uh, you know. We, we mentioned it in the questions because we did two times. But what I was trying to bring out over here, we have a problem today. Why? Because the mitzvah of matzah, so why do we do it that way? So this is what I'm trying to explain. So uh, tonight we have to eat, and the night of Passover, we have to eat matzah. You brought in the charos. Charos is just a dip, whatever, whatever works. We have to eat the matzah, we have to eat the marer, and we have, then we eat a sandwich, the matzah and the marer together. Now one asks, hey, what's this process? Why matzah? And then marer, then matzah marer together. Why not just eat matzah marer together and done with? Why matzah, then matzah marer? That's the whole thing. You eat matzah, then you eat marer, then you eat matzah marer together. So I'm going to explain to you now why we do it that way. Because like I said to you before, in nowadays, the marer is only midrabon, it's only from the sages. It's not based on the Torah. The matzah is still from the Torah. Now, the Torah is, everything is important to us, but the Torah is most important. Which means that when we're fulfilling a mitzvah of the Torah, we want to do it fully. We don't want to do it partially. What do I mean when I say that? You don't want to have in your mouth at the same time that you are fulfilling the obligation of the Torah to eat matzah, other food in your mouth which are Torah not commanded by the Torah. You want to be fully eating at that time. You want to just eat the thing the Torah tells you. Matter of fact, we don't even put salt on the matzahs, you know, especially according to the Kabbalah, according to, we use salt all the time for all the, every time when we, when we wash for bread, we use, we don't even put salt on the matzah, not to take away from the flavor of the matzah, you know. I hope you enjoy the flavor of the matzah. What flavor? Oh, some people like it, you know. Depending which matzah you get, you get the burned matzah. Some people like that the salt, it just has to be on the table because it's like the altar. So then you wouldn't do it with the matzah anyway. Yeah, but I'm saying even those people, even those people that do dip normally, would not dip on the matzah because you don't want to dilute, you don't want to take away from the taste. So since the obligation for the murder in nowadays is only from rabbinic origin, Right? It's only from rabbinic origin. So we don't want you to eat the matzah together with the marer at the same time because the marer will sort of be taken away a little bit from the matzah. Because from the Torah's perspective, from the biblical perspective, you don't need to eat the marer. The marer is like an outside food, it's like the salt. It's like it's taken away from the taste. You don't want to take away from the taste of the matzah. So therefore, you should eat the matzah by itself. That's one opinion. No, no, that's the matzah. That's why, according to all opinions, we have the matzah first. Now, the second thing is, why don't we have now the matzah and the murder, right? Together. So why? So we need matzah separately. We can't eat the matzah and murder. Why don't we just have matzah and then the matzah and the murder together? Oh, wait a minute. Not so fast. Once you fulfilled your obligation of the matzah, right? Mm-hmm. So the Torah, you're done. Torah says, eat matzah, not a pesach. I've eaten the matzah. I'm done with the Torah. Now the sages tell you, 
Okay, you know what? You have to eat myrrh. You have to eat bitter herbs. Okay. Now, I want to eat with that bitter herbs. I want to put in some matzah there. The matzah that you're eating now, that matzah, is that uh, a mitzvah? Is that a, a, a commandment now? Or that's just like extra? So again, you're diluting the taste of the obligation of the rabbis say that you eat moror on the night to remember the moror that was eaten at the, at the time of the temple. You have to add moror. So you have to eat moror. So the guy is eating moror now. But if he's going to add matzah together with his moror, he's going to be diluting his obligation of the moror. Because the matzah, he doesn't have to eat anymore because you already fulfilled the obligation. So now, when you're trying to fulfill what the rabbis told you to eat murder, but you're ending up not fulfilling it fully because you're having in your mouth also extra stuff. Like you'll have a, a chocolate bar together with your murder. You say, hey, no, that's not the way to do it. You have to eat the murder, you have to eat the full murder. So you don't want to put in matzah or anything else in there. You want to just eat the murder. So hence, we have matzah and moror separately. We have first the matzah, and then we have the moror. Because at the time that we ate the matzah, we didn't want you to have moror, because that was an obligation from the Torah. So you have to eat the matzah. Once you fulfill that obligation, you have an obligation upon you from the sages to eat just moror. And we don't put any matzah in there, because the mitzvah matzah you already fulfilled. Now that matzah is just extra. That's just as might as well like a piece of chocolate. You can't have it again, because you have to fulfill just the mitzvah of moror. So now we have matzah and moror. So then you ask, so why do we have a sandwich after? Then we have matzah and moror together. So why do we have matzah and moror together then? Okay. So you have matzah, you finished, you have moror, you finished. Why eat the matzah and moror together again? Ah, that's where we have a disagreement. That's where Hillel came, comes in. Because according to Hillel, the way the moror was eaten was eaten as a sandwich together with the matzah. According to Hillel, there's no moror without matzah. They actually differ <coughs> whether you can fulfill the obligation with the murder with just the bitter herbs, if you don't have matzah together with it. According to his view, according to the view of Hillel, the way it's understood by the Alter Rebbe, because there's a disagreement in Hillel too, how he holds. But I'm telling you, the way the Alter Rebbe understood him, that according to Hillel, if we should just eat bitter herbs... We haven't fulfilled the obligation of bitter herbs because the Torah requirement of bitter herbs is to eat bitter herbs with matzah. So basically we're saying there's two opinions. One opinion says that bitter herbs has to eat only without matzah. So the matzah would be an interference because if you're supposed to eat only murder, you can't have matzah with it. The other opinion said the only way to perform the mitzvah of murder is to perform the mitzvah of murder together with the matzah. So what do we do? We do both. That's why we have first the matzah, then we have the murder, and then we have the matzah and the murder. And as you'll see in the Haggadah, as soon as you have the matzah and the murder, it says, so Hillel did in the time of the Beis HaMikdash. He would wrap the Pesach, the matzah and the murder, and eat them together. To tell you, that you fulfill the obligation by combining the matzah with the murder. And therefore, you haven't really fulfilled your obligation if you've just eaten the murder without having it together with the matzah. But on the other hand, if you did have it with the matzah, you wouldn't fulfill it according to the other one. So that's why we have to do it all. That's why we do all three. I'm sorry. One way or the other, you're going to be doing the mitzvah. You're covering all your bases. That's right. 
What we do is we cover all our bases. We cover all the bases that we do. You got right. What do you use for more? Okay, go ahead. What does it say there? Tell what do you use. Oh. Now, you see, and with that itself, like anything else, you know, it's horse radish. It's hard to eat just horse radish. Some people don't even say. Some people don't. Some people say that horse radish does not even fully qualify. Horse radish is not the best. The best. You know, the Torah, the, the, the Gemara, the Talmud gives you five different kinds of greens which are called maror, which are qualifies for maror, which qualify for bitter herbs. Now, mind you, not all of them are actually bitter. Some of them are only the roots are bitter. They're, they're branched, but they themselves are not bitter, like the romaine lettuce that we have today. Like everything else, you know, people aren't sure in the vegetation exactly what it was. There's Ulsha and Ulfana, there's, there's different names that, the, the, that is mentioned in the Talmud of the different kinds of vegetation. But over the years, till today, there's always a question, some people say, we don't know exactly what those bitter herbs are, exactly what they meant. Some people say that. We are definitely sure that what we're using, when I say we, because we make a bracha. You know, whenever we're not sure about something, we do it, but we don't make another bracha, because, you know, a bracha, you got to be careful. You can't say a bracha. We learned it mm-hmm. in the Kitz Shukhanarach. You can only make a bracha when you know for sure. If you don't know for sure, you can't make a bracha. So we will not make a bracha for something you're not sure. So we make a bracha, murder, we're sure that this is murder. But there, there are some people that claim that we don't know exactly what murder is. So to answer your question directly, the, it seems like the accepted opinion is uh, that it is um, romaine lettuce, definitely. And also, uh, you know, the, um, the regular murder, the... Um, Horseradish. Horseradish. Now, horseradish. And in the Chabad tradition, we actually use, in order to have cover all grounds also, we use both. We use horseradish and romaine lettuce for both. Yeah, so we have, like on the plate, you have, we use them both. We have a combination of romaine lettuce and horseradish just to cover, again, to cover all bases. Um, was horseradish native to Israel? Is it native to Israel? Um, I think that they had that. That's what's called. Yeah, that's you know that's what is uh, originally. They they did have it, but I guess I guess there's just so many species and there's so many different kinds that it's kind of hard to identify and say exactly. But by tradition, there is some of the things you know we don't know anymore exactly what they mean. But these are the things that we kept up, you know, the tradition has kept up, uh, that we, um, that we uh, continue to do. Um, so I guess, without uh, going into all the, uh, the Seder itself, and I guess I'm running out of time a little bit today over here, because I've got to finish a little bit for the Mercha, for the... Uh, we're going to have Mar, I mean, we're going to have Mar. I just want to say to you, you know, the whole Haggadah, all those pieces... You know, if I had a Agada here, I don't have a Agada. I wanted to show you. You see, you have one Agada, but you know, I would like to have everybody Agada. I want, if I could put the whole Agada on one page, I mean, it sounds like a lot. But there's really not that many pieces in there. I mean, there is, 
if you if you you know it seems if you're just reading the word line after line, you know you're 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 getting a lot of information, but it would be nice to see the overview, like you have it all on one page, and I would show you, like the end of the Haggadah. There's only there's about four sections in there. One section is just an expounding from the from the from the uh, Sifri and and Devarim on the it's an expounding over there that takes up most of the Haggadah. Uh, the end what? Well, the Malmi Hall, there's six sections, and it goes by the Pasadena. The Maxwell House says four. Oh, really? We use, we have Maxwell House. I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, I just, I just said it off the top of my head. I didn't mean precisely what it is. I didn't mean, but I'm just saying you, there is, it, there's a lot of passages, there's a lot of paragraphs over there, and there's a lot of saying, and a lot of times when people just read, 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 you don't really see the structure over there. The, the, the bulk of the Haggadah, after the Manishtana and after the first verses over there, basically takes, if you look at it, it takes five verses, which is in Deuteronomy, which is in Devarim, in Deuteronomy. Those are, these five verses are recited when people would come and bring the first fruits to the temple to thank God for giving them the produce and giving them the land and helping them along. So when they say thank you to God, so what they would do is they would say a prayer. And that prayer is five, five verses. Those are the five verses of the Torah. And you're thanking Hashem for giving us the land. And, and you're going back where we came from and where we ended up. Because you can never really appreciate who you are now if you don't go back to realize that you started off on a much lesser level. So we start off where we were. And what that God that does, it goes through those verses. Each word of those verses, like it says... The Egyptians did bad to us. What does the word bad mean? Explains to you what bad means. And they oppressed us. What does oppress mean? Tells you what oppress means. And God took us out. What does it mean God took us out? It was God, it wasn't an angel. Uh, And so it goes on. It just expounds on those five verses. So the chunk of the Haggadah, the chunk of the Haggadah is the expounding of these five verses, okay? And also when we read the Dam Tzvardeya, that's all from that, from those five verses based on the uh, Sifri who interprets these five verses. And then you, And then at the end you just say the uh, somewhat of the Hallel you say, and you make the blessing. And the beginning we start off with the questions and avoid the Mayinu, and just to tell you how important it is to relate the story of, Egypt, of, of the Exodus of Egypt, and we should all be expounding on it and and uh, telling you that you know that that there was enemies all the time. God promised and saved us, and that basically sums it up. It would be glad if it would be that easy, huh? Anyways, uh, so make it too simple, then. Okay, so we're going, and we're going to, um, I guess, uh, resume class after Pesach. So it'll be after Pesach, okay? So of course we're not going to do it. Okay? Thank you very much. And we'll have